Hello, and welcome to Teacher Tales, a podcast from the spirit of teaching. This is your host, Linda Markley, and I invite you to join me and my guests as we get curious, explore, discover, and learn more about what is really at the heart of teaching. In each episode, we will hear the story of a teacher, what called them to teach, what are their greatest joys and challenges in teaching, what inspires them, and what are their hopes, dreams, and vision for the education of children. We will learn more about the greatest lessons they have taught and also the greatest lessons they have learned. No checklists, no standards, no reports, no paperwork, and no data. Just stories from their hearts to our hearts on a journey to celebrate what really matters in the true spirit of teaching. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Teacher Tales. I'm so glad you're here because today we are going to travel halfway around the world to meet a teacher who is very special. I feel like I have such a heart connection to her. So listen carefully, have a notepad ready because I want you to take lots of notes from this one and take it back to your classroom and use it for uh, the well-being of yourself and your children and all of your relationships and your new year ahead after the pandemic. So would you like to introduce yourself and tell everyone um, a little bit about yourself and where you are? Hello, everybody. Okay, so my name is Mariam, and I am in Vietnam, Ho Chi Minh City. And I originally come from England, London, and I was teaching in England for four years. And then I decided I wanted to do international teaching for two reasons, for a few reasons. One, I wanted to have an adventure and see a bit more of the world. I was also getting pretty burnt out in the UK. I had like 35 students in my class and the paperwork was a lot. And yeah, I was struggling with the workload. There was no uh, work-life balance. And I, yeah, I just, I thought I really want to see more of the world. I want to see what teaching is like somewhere else. So I started looking at uh, jobs in Southeast Asia and I saw Vietnam and I just knew, I knew Vietnam was the one. I mean, I saw Singapore and I saw China and I saw Thailand and they did look amazing as well, but I don't know, there's something about Vietnam. I think it's just a very beautiful country. Um, You have the city and then you've got the countryside and you've got the beach and you've got the the rice terraces. You just got, you've got so many amazing, rich, it's just a very rich, uh, beautiful culture with traditions. And um, yeah, so I, I've been in Vietnam now for six years. Um, and uh, at the moment I'm working with kindergarten and uh, that's five to six year olds. And it's lovely. I mean, I, I guess one of the things that I really love about it is that I have flexibility to work with the time, uh, the timetable that I have, it allows me to be quite flexible and it allows me to be creative. I have a degree in um, illustration and I love storytelling and I love art. And so I get to bring those into the classroom. And um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's what I'm, 
I can't think of what else to say to introduce myself. <laughs> well, there's another connection there too, because my daughter that I talk about all the time, who's a teacher, she was an art major to begin with. And yeah. she saw teaching, she didn't want to be a starving artist. And she saw teaching as a place where she could be very creative and she could bring her artistic talents, but also her different perspectives on the world and that she acquired through traveling and through seeing the world uh, through different lenses of different subjects, different people, different cultures. And so it sounds a lot like that's what was attracting you to travel and, and teach in, yes. in Vietnam. So, yeah. and, 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 and what I want everyone to understand too is that the heart of a teacher is the same throughout the world. It doesn't matter what the system is that you're teaching in mm -hmm. or you know what your background has been or any of that any of your cultural background it, teachers are teachers at the heart and they want they love children they want to help children and they see a bigger picture and a bigger purpose in life of of bringing that to children so I, the first time i had that experience was traveling uh, and to Spain to study, but what I got out of it much more than the academics and learning about the history of Spain or improving my language skills was the heart connections I made to people from all over the European, you know, nation and, and even people from, you know, Africa and, and Asia that had come there to Spain to study and they were teachers but the only thing we had in common was the Spanish language. And, mm. you know, some of them knew English so we could communicate that way, but it was amazing to see how we all connected at the heart and that we all felt the same, even though we had different systems to operate in as far as education was concerned, we all had that heart connection. So, so thank you for bringing that to the podcast and to everybody's attention and uh, awareness. So, I have to uh, do a, a shout out to Ceci who um, nominated you to be a guest on Teacher Tales. And she says that you're one of the kindest and most beautiful souls she's ever met. Um, everything that she does approach and her approaches to teaching, collaboration, relationships and life are rooted in pure kindness. Um, Yes. And so she says, you're brave, strong, and a light in the darkest of times. And she also oh mentions that you're an illustrator <laughs> for children's books. And then she ends it with, she's just all the things. So. Oh my goodness. You know, I didn't know that she said all of those things. Wow. I'm so deeply honored to, to be nominated to, to share. And I had no idea that she thought of me that way. <laughs> so it's just, it's very sweet and lovely. And um, yeah, I guess, you know, sometimes I, I, I think as, I think sometimes as teachers, we, we can be hard on ourselves. And I think it's just the system. And we don't always recognize that we're doing a good job because there's always something that we haven't done. <laughs> and mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I had no idea that she was, seeing all these things in me and uh it's it's really lovely <laughs> well quite often what like you said we're being told we're not doing these other things 
or that we're yeah, not we're ticking the boxes, we're not doing enough. And sometimes just like with our students, we don't realize the impact that we've had through that whole word of kindness, a kind yeah. word, a kind look, a uh, kind gesture, you know, an action yeah. that demonstrates that we understand and we have compassion. Uh, kindness is a choice in every moment. And the fact yes. that you bring that to the classroom is not only affecting you, it's affecting your students, it's affecting your colleagues, it's affecting everybody. So it's a little, kindness to me is like the pebble in the pond. It has a, it could just be a pebble, but it's got a ripple effect that has a much greater that. impact. So <laughs> So that's, I think, what every teacher needs to bring to the classroom every day. So you want to tell us a little bit about how you bring kindness to the classroom and uh, share it with your colleagues and teach it to your children or help them to understand what kindness is? So I guess one of the ways that we do that, we have like a, a classroom community and we have, we have like classroom jobs and we talk about uh, our responsibilities and children, they, they love doing their classroom jobs because it's a way of being a member of our community and helping each other and making everything run in a, in a nice, smooth way. Um, but it's not just that, it's just, you know, it's, I think it's like also modeling and, you know, saying thank you, saying please, and also checking on each other when we're not feeling great. So one of the things that I, well-being is very important in my classroom, social and emotional well-being. So we will check in with each other and we will, we will say like, you know, everyone will go around and say how they feel. And I have like picture cards, like the Todd Parr picture cards. And I'll, mm -hmm. I'll say, and we'll, we'll look at all of them and, and we'll share how we're feeling. And what's come up a lot this year is about feeling safe. Um, and that's because we've had this pandemic. Mm -hmm. So, you know, do you feel safe today? And, um, you know, we talked about what that means and we've talked about like worry and feeling frightened, other words for that, scared, you know, mm -hmm. like giving them that vocabulary and giving them the power to be able to, to say it because if sometimes they don't have that space at home to share that with anybody. And as teachers, we might be the only ones that they can tell that to. And so for me, that's important. And that's a way of showing kindness because you're, you're ready to listen to that, to that feeling, to, to create that space. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it's just kind of like, I guess, it's just sort of like embedded in the teaching, uh, in the classroom environment. Mm -hmm. um, when, when children have disagreements, you know, I, I try and do that with just those students and not involve everybody um, unless it's something that needs to be discussed altogether. But it's like, you know, I think that's showing kindness because then they're not, show, they're not showed up and felt uh, being, you know, sometimes children can feel like they're being shamed and I don't want that atmosphere in the classroom. So it's like, it's just, I guess it's being mindful. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I, you um, told me that you love children and that you see yourself as a facilitator of learning. 
and that you learn, um, they learn from you, but you learn also from them. And I think that's the relationship piece. And I love the word facilitator because I think that's really what we're here to do in being a language person. Facilitator is like facile in Spanish, which is easy. We're just trying to make it easy for the kids to learn. And it, that is a craft. It's not just a textbook. It's not just a pedagogy. It's not just, you know, these prescribed things that we're told uh, a little bit like a doctor, take this pill and it's going to fix everything. No, you have to get to the symptoms. You have to get to all of the different um, factors that are going into it that are all human. They're not you know, inanimate or they're not, uh, or, or tangible all the time. And so that kind of um, ties into what I'd like to talk about with you as far as um, what you do to help kids, uh, because you said you make it a priority to focus on talking about feelings and sharing what we're thankful for, to make time daily for breath work, listening to our bodies, but you still teach the academics and link these skills to their interests. So you're looking at the whole child and we have a, something called ESSA here, which is a, a, a federal, every student succeeds act. And it's what drives a lot of funding for education and that sort of thing. And they talk about, you know, the well-rounded child and sort of the whole child, but there's nothing in the education uh, plan for the, a child's, you know, social, social emotional learning or their well-being. Or we talked before the podcast, you said there's such a buzzword now with wellness. And I kind of jokingly said, yeah, well, there kind of is. It's kind of like, well, well, what are you doing now? Well, what's next? Well, you know, what's the next box to tick? Well, you know, and it's that well, well, well. And it's not really nobody's doing very well with it. So, so I just said a lot, I'm sorry, but could you talk about that and, and what you've been doing to help kids with these overwhelming feelings and the anxiety and, and even, you know, how you came to know that they were such powerful tools to implement and share. Sure. Okay. So I mean, in the UK, I've always used things like a little bit of yoga and breath work, um, just like count breathing in for four, uh, exhaling for four. So I've, I've had those, but what's made a difference this year is that, so basically about a year and a half ago, I was struggling with my own mental health. Um, my nan had passed away from COVID and... Uh, I wasn't able to get home from Vietnam and I was having some physical health problems where um, I'm also, as you know, I'm also an illustrator, Mm -hmm. but I was suffering from tendonitis and so I wasn't able to draw and I had just got an agent and things had started to take off, but then I had this setback. And so there was just a lot going on and I could feel also with the with the COVID in Vietnam, it's very different to how it's treated in the West and they take it very, very strict here. And you can, you know, if you, if you end up having, uh, being in contact with somebody with COVID, you get taken to a quarantine facility, which isn't very nice. 
And so there was just so much anxiety and I was spiraling out of control, getting very low. And uh, I actually started to see a therapist. Um, and meanwhile, I'm also trying to carry on teaching like nothing's happened. And, you know, we're all still trying to like do all the administrative work and, you know, just uh, talking about the curriculum and all these things. We're just carrying on like everything is normal, but nothing was normal. Nothing was normal. There was there were families whose businesses were in trouble. You know, my own family, things were going on in there. And my brother had friends that passed away, like just things that were happening. And we we're all mm -hmm. continuing. Like everything was normal. It was awful. And um, I ended up coming across a book and it's called The Ancient Secrets of a Master Healer. And it's by Clint G. Rogers. And in there, it's uh, all about Ayurveda. Uh, which is, uh, it's from India, and it's uh, an ancient way of healing using diet, using herbs, using pressure points, um, using uh, detox, all these different things in there and recipes, home recipes that you can do. And so I was reading through it. And um, it had like pressure points for anxiety. And I was like, well, I might as well try these and pressure points for um uh, for feeling calm, uh, pressure points for focus. So I started doing them and I also started doing a bit more research. And I found that, you know, there were people that were using it on children when they were feeling stressed or worried. And I was like, you know, I'm going to try this out in the classroom. And so I just said to, to, firstly, I just said to my whole class, oh, I know a pressure point. It's just a, it's just here on your forehead. If you press it six times. Right so between your eyes right between yeah. your eyes if you press mm -hmm. it six times and you do some deep breaths with it it will help you to feel calmer and it will help you to focus and so it became something that we all did together but I noticed such an improvement and I've had students I would say about three students that I've done it on and one there was a student who was um she was crying to do with something with her food and no teacher could calm her down she was really really crying really upset and I went up to her and I just, I sat with her and first of all, I just listened to her. And then I said, can I show you a pressure point that will just make you feel calmer? And I showed it, you know, I, I did it on myself first and it's on the head. Um, I can't, I can't, so you have your right hand on near your sort of forehead and the, the left hand on the back of your head and you press. And I, I did it on me and it's like six times you press this point. And then, you know, she was still crying, but she was looking at me and I said, you know, can I show you? I work with five to six year olds. So um, the rules are, I guess, a little bit more flexible in terms of, you know, putting your hands on. But I was just showing her a point on her head and she was happy for me to do it. And she calmed down and no other teacher could um, console her. And this is a student that cries quite a lot. Like she's she's got some anxiety anyway. And it calmed her down. And then I did it on another student who was also crying. This was a... Uh, a few weeks later and another student and I realized these points do work I think that you know our body is we've we've got energy points in us just like you know acupuncture in, in uh, you work with energy points and acupressure you work with energy points so I do believe that there are energy points in our body that can get blocked and pressing certain points on the body can unblock it and you know, uh, now I just, I see it as like a tool 
another another tool to, to show children what they can do to feel calm. So they know that in their toolkit they have, so we talk about these things. So they have like, they can do their breathing. So breathing in for four, breathing out for four, like do that 10 times. <laughs> um, they know that they can count to 10 as well, just to feel calm. They know that they can run on the spot <laughs> to, mm -hmm. just to like get, get moving. Um, they know that they've got these points. They know that they can lie down and just, just focus on their body. How does their body feel? Um, some of them shared with me things that they would like to do. Like they said that they would like to go for a run outside. Um, just so there's just like, they also gave me some things, but they've got the main ones, which is breath work is really, really important. It really works. And if you model it to the children, it will become something that they do. It's something that they do, like, because it's, I use it all the time in the classroom. If they've been outside in the, in the playground and they've been playing and they come in and they're all a bit, you know, they need to calm down. <laughs> it's just like, okay, let's, let's take a few deep breaths. And they're all used to it now because they know, oh, that's Miss Mariam. <laughs> she, makes, <laughs> she makes us do breathing, <laughs> but, but they will do it with me. And the, but they'll even say, can we lie down and do it? I'm like, sure, <laughs> lie down. And then they lie down and they do it. And then they're ready for learning. And that's the language that I use. I'll, I'll say to them, then your mind is ready to learn. Your mind is focused. Your body is ready to learn. Because if they come in and they're all, they're all sweaty and they're hot and they're flustered, they're not even anywhere near thinking about learning a new concept, especially five to six year olds. <laughs> it's hard to transition you know? Well, but, the, during the pandemic, a lot of what's come out is how much trauma lives in our body. And yeah. if kids are having an experience where they do come in from PE or from being outside, and they're really, you know, very hyped up, and they don't have a teacher that is like you that says, okay, let's breathe and calm ourselves down that way and make it a perfectly normal thing. If that teacher is yells at the kid or makes them go, you know, stand outside or writes them up and sends them down. I mean, that can become a trauma because the kid doesn't understand. They're just being a kid and yeah. it does live in your body. And I love the idea of the pressure points too. And it, it's being, I've known about this for years. I've used tapping for years. And even in the classroom, I use brain gym, which is those pressure points. And it was, it was used a little bit in education for a while, but then people were like, that's too weird. That's woo, you know, and it kind of got shamed out of education. And that's mm -hmm. with, from people that were uncomfortable with it. And I think that happens a lot in education. If it's not linear, mathematical, logical, tangible, measurable, uh, you know, but mm -hmm. by what standards and how are you going to measure it? I mean, you can see behaviors change when you, like you talked about the girl, when you did the pressure points and she stopped crying. And there were, to me, that's measurable, but a lot of people are like, you can't put that in a chart or you can't put it on a bar graph or whatever. And so that's not data. We can't take that. And that's nonsense. But anyways, I've seen in the news lately, Oprah did an interview with uh, Harry, Prince Harry, and then Megan about anxiety. And then Harry yeah. came back and did an interview and talked about how you, he uses tapping, how he taps on pressure points to calm his anxiety. And a lot of people are now looking at it and thinking, oh, if Harry thinks it's a great idea, now it's going to be <laughs> acceptable mainstream. And I'm like, 
okay, Harry, you need to step up and talk on behalf of all teachers, like what's good to do <laughs> and what's like, anyways, but well, yes, it, kids love that. They don't see anything wrong with, with tapping no. or, uh, you know, any of that stuff or what they you were saying earlier too, about saying something to themselves of affirmations, like, I love you. And I want you to share your story about how you had them write a letter. Yes. I, I, so basically, um, it was my colleague's idea, actually. So she said, what about if they write a letter to themselves for when they go to grade one? Of course, not all of our students are fully writing yet. Some of them are drawing more, but we wanted them to have something that they could open in grade one. Um, and um, I said to my students to, to, to say why they love themselves. Like, so I love you because, and and I said, it can be anything you like. So of course, some of them are like, I love you because you can run fast. Or I love you because you're like a rainbow. <laughs> or I love you because anything. But I just, I felt that it was important to do. And it's something as an adult that I am learning more about to love myself, to see that I'm good enough. And I think that young children need it more than ever now because we've got this, we've got social media that tells us that we're not good enough. There's apps to make us look prettier or whatever by whatever standards that, that they have. And if we can start planting, you know, this little seed of, you know, that, you know, to say, I love you to yourself, then hopefully if we continue that, that will grow because they are incredible. I love all of my students, even the ones that, you know, sometimes drive me a little crazy. I love them. <laughs> They're the ones that teach me to be a better teacher. You know, that's how I know, you know, I learn from the students that the ones that, you know, can be a little bit more challenging because, because they've got challenges in their life. I learn to be better because of those students. And I just, I just want, I want all of them to, to have tools and ways that they can use later on in life that, so that when things get tough, they will be able to go, oh yeah, you know, teachers have shown us about to, to do some breathing or to do some pressure points or even, you know, I think even diet should come up a bit more, but diet, foods that will work for, for their bodies to make them thrive and do well. And I don't know how much diet comes up in, in your school, but I don't think it comes up enough. Um, and yeah, there's just so, there's so many things. And I, and I just think I, I, if, there's, if they're saying things like, I love you now as well, just how powerful is that? Mm -hmm. so. Well, we talked a little bit about the whole, and, and I was sharing with you about my newsletter. And when Memorial Day came around, I was like, yes, we want to remember, but we don't want to remember the, the, you know, the, in, in a battle war sort of way, we want to honor and remember, you know, sacrifices people have made or the honor that they've brought to their uh, country, their family, themselves, all of that. But we use language in teaching or use language as adults and talk to kids this way, like, you need to soldier on, you need to, you know, stop that crying, stop that crying, you need to put your big boy pants on and soldier on or your big girl pants on and soldier on. And, and we're not in a battle. This is not a battle. School is not a battle. It should not be a place where we're using war language. 
you know, we've, we've won a battle, you know, but we haven't won the war. It seems like that's every checklist that we have when we check one off, we're like, whoop, a victory. Oh, and then that competition and that there's a struggle and we need to reword all of these things in education and yeah. uh, in the world, like you said, and social media is a huge part of it where there are a lot of words being used that are shaming and, uh, you know, disempowering and images that are doing the same thing. So teachers mm -hmm. have an even greater responsibility and task at hand to become more aware of what is going on for children and to have their, you know, well-being and their wellness, <laughs> you know, true <laughs> wellness, not like, well, you know, sort of thing <laughs> in mind. So um, I know you talked about uh, the holistic approach to things and with diet, you said that there's some things with diet that you've shared with parents that have children who have um, autism or ADHD and that that has made a big difference for them and their children? Uh, so I may have not communicated that very clearly. So I haven't actually recommended uh, diet uh, diets to, to parents. Mm -hmm. However, I am... So the book that I've read, there's like a Facebook group and there are, there are parents on there that are saying, oh yes, I, you know, I've tried this diet. Um, it's, a, it's a special, uh, it's just, you know, less anti-inflammatory foods and, you know, more fruits and veggies and these different things. But they, they said they've, they've used that in their, for their, for their child and they've noticed differences in their behavior. Um, they've said that they're, they're calmer, but it's not just, of course, it's not just diet, you know, it's diet and the pressure points and doing some breath work and um, some movement. supplements. Yeah, movement. There is some, there's some herbal supplements and things. And all of these things have had like such a positive effect. And this, these are parents who've got children who have autism. And these are parents who've got kids with, you know, ADHD. And they're just seeing these huge improvements. And I was like, when I saw all of that, I was like, okay, you know, I need to know more. And that's why I'm doing this course in Ayurveda because I feel like I, I want to be able to help. If I'm going to be in education, to be honest, I don't know if I will be in it that much longer, but if I am, while I am in it, I want to be able to do the, to be able to serve. I want to be able to serve my community. And so I'm like, okay, what can I do to help? The students and so yeah if i if if i can learn more about diet and things then i would definitely you know i would definitely make recommendations to parents i have no problem with doing that and uh, i want to learn more about the pressure points and i want to learn more about the the the, the herbal supplements that they recommend that are and it's just natural herbs it's not anything like with chemicals that could cause a reaction mm -hmm. um yeah i'm just passionate about I am passionate about children and their well-being, um, and I want to know more. And to me, when I was hearing these parents talk about these things, I was like, "Oh my goodness, more people need to know that this is an option." Because mm -hmm. <laughs> I've I've worked with students who have autism, and it's tough. It's really hard. I remember I had a student. She had a one-to-one, -one, so she had somebody else with her, but she was a biter and she would run, and. 
I remember thinking like, thank goodness that she has her one-to-one because that it's so hard. I didn't know about like, you know, things about diet or pressure points that could possibly have helped her. Um, and I do believe that they would have helped her. If I, uh, I, I, there is also another person that I know who's, who works with students who have autism. Um, and yeah, she'll do some of the pressure points and she said it will calm them down so that they don't have to like restrain or do anything like that. And I was like, it's just amazing. It's just another, another, another thing to add into my toolkit, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I think that there should be some professional development opportunities for teachers with that. Um, yeah. And, and I, I do these, you know, chats with teachers and being in a career that was very, you know, 40 years with kids and teachers and everything in the classroom and a lot of relationships with and, and learning from each other. And what I have heard is teachers become teachers a lot of times because they're lifelong learners. They like to learn, but I found that they can go down two paths. Either they're a lifelong learner because they want to learn more and more and more so that they can feel smarter, smarter, smarter. And Mm -hmm. the whole thing of knowledge is power, which I embraced wholeheartedly when I was younger, because it was a way for me to get out of my circumstances and get into, you know, uh, and uh, be an educated person that could pursue college and a different life, uh, rising a little bit out of the circumstances of my childhood. But I also now see that it's a very ego-driven way to go. And uh, it, you can, it's a slippery slope, just like in life in general. We can choose yeah. to take that ego approach, or we can choose to be more aware and more conscious and be of service. Uh, mm-hmm. Oprah talks all the time, like now how she awakened. And her first question was always every day is, how can I serve? How can I serve? What can I do? What can I learn in order to serve people? And that's what you just described beautifully, that you're not prescribing anything or you're not trying to tell your students how to live or the parents how to parent, but you're trying to educate yourself, enlighten yourself, shine a light on something that is going to help you to help your students to serve them better. So beautiful, so beautiful. And so I didn't know, I didn't know Oprah um, has said that, but you know, it's, it's something that I do. I do wake up and I do, I do pray. I do pray. And I do say to the universe, like, how can I be of service? Because I'm just, I just, I think when you have, I've had like, ment- as I said, I've had mental health issues. And one of the, one of the ways that has helped me to also put things into perspective or not even put things into perspective, that's not the right word, but to come out of that. Yes, I've had therapy and all these different things, but it's starting to think about how can I serve others and help others? And that's also driving me as well, because I know what it's like to get really, really low. And uh, I, I want to help. I definitely want to help others who, who, who may one day go, go that way. It can happen to anybody, anybody. Mm-hmm. It sure can. It sure can. So you talked a little bit about um, you are considering leaving teaching. So (laughs) 
and you said something too uh, about how things have changed a lot since you first started teaching. So do you just want to talk about that a little bit and then maybe add on a little bit of advice to new teachers to how they can make choices along their journey to perhaps um, put them in that place of wellness and well-being so that they are not at a point where they may want to leave because we're having a lot of that now. The pandemic has face-planted every teacher in the world and there's a lot of questions. There are a lot of questions going on as to whether or not I want to stay in teaching or do I want to go somewhere else or have I made a difference? Have I not made a difference? What can I do differently in the future to survive? All of those things. So can you talk about that a little bit? Okay. I'm just trying to remember. Okay. So the beginning part was like, can you, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I know I have a lot of loaded questions <laughs> there, and I've had, you know, teacher talk. There, there have been guests that have been like, okay, now let's unpack that. There's a lot there. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry. That's, but that's my I brain. I think I really big it. and broad. And so just tell me to you know, narrow it down and bring it in a little bit there. My students used to tell me that and they'd be like, oh, senora, that was a lot. Can you just like break that down a little bit? And then they, I taught them to do, to be comfortable with it. This was back, you know, a long time ago when break dancing was kind of, I, I don't know, I, I still see it in movies now, but I, they would like imitate, like break it down, break it down. Like, so they would break like a little bit of break dancing. They'd say, you know, break it down, senor, so we can, you know, we can bring it up, bring it up, bring it up, you know, <laughs> meaning they're learning and they're, they're understanding kind of like blooms. Sort oh, of. I love it. Just silly things. <laughs> so anyways. Whatever so you did, remember. <laughs> okay. Um, so some advice for teachers. Um, I would say make sure that you you take care of you, you know, and so have something that makes you feel good. Um, definitely, I mean, I would definitely recommend to do some breathing. And I know it's not for everybody and not everybody is interested in it, but there is so much science behind it as you know when you exhale the whole body relaxes Mm -hmm. the whole body and if you take the time to lengthen that exhale and you do that 10 times it will change something it will change something in you and it will change things around you because you'll see things in a different way and if it doesn't work after 10 do another 10 (laughs) um i just i strongly believe that when you change what's going on inside you it affects your outer Um, I would uh, also look up, I would get this book, The Ancient Secrets of a Master Healer, look up those pressure points that are in there, and I would do those those pressure points. Um, In terms of, of course, it will all depend on your school and what it's like. If a school, if that school is not giving you enough freedom to be who you are as a teacher, because I've worked in different schools, then you need to to move to I mean obviously don't just leave your job but look into finding the right school for you Um, because yeah there are some schools that box you in and I have experienced that and so you need you need to get out of that because the reason we are teachers is because we like to be creative we like to we like to inspire 
And so if we're, if we're in, a, in, a, in a school that's boxing us in, you can't be creative and you can't get into that space where you want to inspire others. Um, what else would I say? Make sure that you give yourself time off. Like, you know, like, okay, from, from this time, I'm not going to do any more work. So once it gets past six o'clock, I know it's really hard, but once it gets past six o'clock, then you're like, okay, that's it. This is my time now. You know, all the, all the paperwork stuff, it's, it will always be there. Well, whether you get it done that time, it's just going to keep coming. It's always going to keep coming. That's the profession that's, that we are in. So it's like you have to be kind to you because your mental health and well-being is more important than all the academic paper well, of course, the academic stuff is important, but all the paperwork stuff, yours, yours is more, that your well-being is more important because that's what you are bringing to your class. And if you are not feeling good inside, your students will pick up on it. Um, what do they need to ask from administrators? Like, what's a good thing to ask from your administrators to be in that place? <laughs> like you said, having the freedom to be creative and to get out of that box that you said is sometimes like you're, you're pushed in this box and it's like, they're smashing the box and the kids yeah. probably feel this way too sometimes. And yeah. so how do, how do we ask our administrators for those things? I, I had like a honest open conversation. <laughs> I just, I basically had, I, I, I asked to meet and, and I just said how exactly how I was feeling. Um, and that just, it does take courage to do that. Um, but I said it from a place of, so I wasn't trying to like accuse an attack. It was more like, I need you to know how I'm feeling. This is how I'm feeling. Uh, this is the type of teacher that I am. And at the moment, I don't feel that there is space for me to be this type of teacher in your school. And you know, and then leave it with them to see what they say in response. Because, you know, if they really value you, then they will value how you're feeling and they will try to find some kind of solution. It might not be a big change. It might not be the change that you're looking for, but at least they know. And then after that, it's up to you about what you want to do next. And if there's nothing's going to change, then you go, okay, I need to start thinking about my future of where I'm going next. And that takes a lot of bravery too, but you know, you can't, you can't stay in a job that will make you feel unhappy. Yeah. But I know that whenever I've been honest, um, you know, uh, and, and said, this is my feeling, uh, it's, they, will, they will respect that because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. you're, not, you're not attacking them. Right. And starting with I statements, and this is how I feel, and sharing that vulnerability, and yes. then just letting it go because really you can't control how other people receive it. You can't control how they're going to interpret it and then what they're mm -hmm. going to do with it. But there's such a relief and a release in just speaking up and sharing yeah. how we feel about something and expressing what we need. And if administrators were to hear it more, if then maybe some things would change because I think what happens with teachers is the, the kind of a little stereotype, but the administrator comes in your classroom with their little clipboard. Now they have their little, you know, 
uh, phone or iPad and they're checking boxes and doing, and they're always looking for the negative, like what you're not doing so that they can tell you what you're not doing well and tell you how to improve it. Um, One teacher I talked to said that the most powerful thing an administrator ever did for her was to sit down afterwards and say, what did you think really went well? What are you really proud of? What are you really excited about in that lesson? And then, then eventually got to, so what, you know, what would you do differently? Like, or what did, what would you want to be different? Because we, we're our worst critics always. And we don't need somebody putting, you know, fanning the flames while we're feeling like we're (laughs) burning up with our own criticism. So that sort of approach and, and being vulnerable and an administrator who's caring and kind, we're back to that kindness, understanding that teachers are always doing the best that they can with the resources, the place they are mentally, physically, emotionally, in spirit, spiritually. So yes, spiritually. Yes. 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 (laughs) It's everything. It is everything. The whole, it's our whole being because we are, we are more than just, you know, our physical body and just plowing through everything. There's our mental well-being, our emotional well-being, and our spiritual well-being. And when we can get those into all alignment, then everything starts to feel better and you experience the world in a better way. And I think that's what we want to do as teachers, right? We want mm-hmm. our students to be empowered. But we need to empower ourselves so we, too because yes. it's being taken away from us. You know, yes. it's it's we're we are being disempowered as teachers and that's the, kind of the whole uh, fuel behind what I'm doing with speech to spirit of teaching because I want teachers to be empowered I want them to feel empowered again I want them to know that they're amazing they're doing amazing jobs and they don't yes. need to beat themselves up they don't need to armor up and beat other people up because they're not feeling like they're not enough and once all of this starts to happen it's going to be trickle down. It's going to be affecting the energy in the classroom, the energy in the school, yes. and then the cultures and the practices and the different perspectives that people have on these things. And yeah. it'll be, there'll just be a kinder, more gentler world, I hope. So. Yes. All right. I hope so. I hope so too. Well, you're doing your part. So good for you. <laughs> I'm so happy. You too. I, I've had such, it's been so lovely to connect with you and to, to share with you. And um, I'm really, really happy to have met you. Yes. And, and I, and thank you, Ceci. And, and, you know, I hope that we continue this conversation, um, that we can continue communicating that other teachers will reach out and benefit from this. But wait a minute, it's not over because I have a few fill in the blanks at the oh. end. So <laughs> it's just, what, what are your thoughts on this? There's no right or wrong answer. Just, just complete the thought. Okay. All right. So teaching is exciting every day <laughs> like a roller coaster ride <laughs> the hardest part about teaching is paperwork <laughs> amen <laughs> needs to go away the most rewarding part of teaching is can it only be a word it can be anything just finish okay. the thought mm-hmm. oh um 
seeing my students shine. <laughs> That's because you're enlightening them. That's why they're shining. <laughs> and my greatest hope for all children is? Uh, um, to be empowered and um, to have the tools to manage their emotional well-being. Emotional, emotional sp spiritual, physical, mental well-being. Mm -hmm. Because they're going to need it throughout life. That degree yes. will only get them so far. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. None of that will matter if they haven't got if they haven't got the tools that they need to to keep balanced mm -hmm. and centered, yes. and in a place of calm and peace, inner stillness, inner peace. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And always completely uh, enveloped in love. Yes. Uh. <laughs> yes, that's that's the beanbag chair in the classroom. They all should be in that little love beanbag. So yeah. thank you so much. And, um, you know, you're you're helping a lot of teachers with all of your wisdom. So check out the link that I have in the podcast uh, description. And thank you so much again. Thank you. Hello again, everyone. This is your host, Linda Markley. And I'd like to invite you to nominate a teacher to be a guest on the podcast and to share their story. All you have to do is go to www.spiritofteaching.org and fill out the nomination form. Again, that's www.spiritofteaching.org. Also, please share, rate, and give some feedback to help us better serve you in the spirit of teaching. Thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to having you back next time on Teacher Tales.